0: Hey, mate, ready for another dose of global news?
1: Hey there, of course I'm ready. What's on the agenda for today?
0: Well, first off, South Africa has filed a lawsuit in the International Court of Justice in The Hague, accusing Israel of planning to commit genocide against the Palestinian population in the Gaza Strip. Pretty serious accusations, don't you think?
1: Wow, that's really serious. What else have you got for us?
0: Secondly, the U.S. Secretary of State, Mr. Blinken, has decided to embark on a trip to the Middle East, His aim is to try to prevent the escalation of the conflict between Israel and the Palestinians.
1: Well, let's hope he manages to do that. And what's the latest on Eurovision?
0: And here's the third piece of news. Finnish musicians have demanded that Israel be excluded from the Eurovision contest. It seems like the music world is not immune to political disputes either.
1: Wow, that's really something. We've got some seriously hot news today. Let's discuss them in more detail.
0: Have you ever wondered how people lived before the internet and smartphones came along, mate?
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. I read that in 2024, there will be more discussions about life before the internet. It's becoming a topic of increased curiosity for a growing group of people who have never experienced it.
0: Yeah, mate, there are fewer and fewer people on earth who remember the times of typewriters, payphones, and paper maps. Heck, there are even fewer who remember internet cafes and the indestructible Nokia 3310,
1: It's interesting that young people born in the 2000s are starting to wonder how people communicated, arranged meetings, found what they needed, and navigated space before the mid-90s, when email and mobile phones became commonplace.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny how the younger generation is getting curious about life before smartphones. They're watching friends to get a taste of that carefree time and asking questions on Reddit about what life was like before
1: smartphones. And at the same time, Older folks are feeling nostalgic and writing essays about what life was like before the digital revolution. People who were born and grew up before the internet era are called digital immigrants or last of the innocents, and pre-internet times is considered to be all of human history before the mid-90s. The
0: paradox, you know, is that not many people remember the details of how everything worked, how it was possible to exist without the internet. There's an article in The Atlantic titled, What Did People Do Before the Arrival of Smartphones?, Nobody can remember.
1: Yeah, and the picture is so funny. They're standing at the airport waiting for the flight and just looking. (laughs) Ha ha.
0: Here's a Reddit memory for you. You couldn't just find, buy, watch, or listen to everything you wanted instantly. If you wanted to access your money, you had to go to the bank during bank hours. If you wanted to listen to a song, you had to hear it randomly on the radio or go and buy a physical copy on cassette or disc.
1: Surveys show that many millennials would like to go back to the pre-internet times, although at the same time they say they dread the thought of living a day without their phone. These millennials, the best generation ever. Ha ha.
0: Time for some amazing stories. A month ago, I was walking around London and got stopped by a granny holding a paper map. She pointed to a spot on the map and asked me to show her how to get there. It's not the first time I've been stopped by such grannies in London, and every time I get completely lost.
1: And what do you do in such situations, mate?
0: I whip out my phone, open Google Maps, and try to compare the outlines of the buildings and streets to figure out how to get to the spot the granny is pointing at, so she doesn't have to walk any extra miles. And I feel pretty awkward doing it.
1: Oh, those grannies, truly the last of the innocents.
0: Uh... You know, sometimes I think about the times before the internet. Not that I'd want to go back there. No, it's just interesting to remember how things used to be. And, you know, I even thought about writing down these memories. Maybe my grandkids on Mars will be interested to hear about those dark and beautiful times. And speaking of the past and present, I recently came across an article in Axios. Turns out, Gen Z has fallen in love with jazz. And I think that's just wonderful. What do you reckon? Eks Have you ever wondered why some countries seem to get away with everything, like butter melting on a hot pan? Let's discuss the recent case with South Africa accusing Israel of genocide.
1: Oh yeah, I heard about that. South Africa has filed a lawsuit in the international court in The Hague, accusing Israel of genocidal intentions towards the Palestinian population in the Gaza Strip. It's like if I accused you of eating all the cookies and presented my arguments, demanding an immediate halt to your bombardment of the fridge.
0: Right. And Israel has agreed to defend itself. The hearing started yesterday and will continue today. But you know what's interesting? A crime can only be recognized as genocide if it had the so-called genocidal intent, meaning the intention of one group of people to destroy another based on their national, racial, or ethnic identity, to destroy the group itself. It's like if you wanted to eat all the cookies so that I couldn't have any.
1: Yeah, I've heard about that. So they're saying that the court will most likely grant South Africa's request in the coming weeks, and then there will be hearings that could drag on for many years. Ukraine has a similar case against Russia, and events there have unfolded in much the same way. It's like if you sued me for eating all the cookies and then we started a long legal battle.
0: You know what's interesting? The verdict against Israel won't have much impact on the fate of the Palestinians in Gaza, but it will definitely affect Israel's standing on the international stage. Not every country gets accused of genocide. It's like being accused of eating all the cookies in the world.
1: Yeah, and the U.S. Secretary of State Blinken is currently traveling in the Middle East in an attempt to prevent escalation. The U.S. continues to insist that Israel has the right to self-defense. They write that during the meeting between Netanyahu and Blinken, they discussed the further stages of the war with Hamas, and there was no talk of ceasing military actions. It's like if I said, you have the right to defend your cookies.
0: And here it's worth remembering the quote from the Saudi ambassador to the UK. Israel seems to get away with everything. If anyone else did what the Israelis are doing today, they would have been excluded from the international community. There would have been talk of sanctions and much more would have been done. But I don't see an equal attitude towards everyone. And that really makes you think. It's like if you ate all the cookies and no one even noticed.
1: Yeah, and here's another interesting fact. Finnish musicians demanded that Israel be excluded from the Eurovision contest. It really shows how the situation is impacting the international community. It's like being kicked out of the cookie lovers club for eating all the cookies. Hey, have you heard about the plan to evacuate 1,300 kids from Belgorod?
0: Yeah, I heard about that. The other day, they evacuated the first 93 primary school kids— accompanied by 20 teachers and medical staff, from Belgorod to a summer camp in the Voronezh region. At least for three weeks, and then we'll see how it goes.
1: I wonder why did they decide to leave, eh?
0: So, there was a short report about it on Euronews, where a little boy explains why he decided to leave home for the Voronezh region. I always live with my parents' brother and grandpa. I want to take a break from them somehow, and from the bombings.
1: Wow, sometimes family can be worse than bombings, but the little boy is so young, of course, and doesn't understand that this is only true in a figurative sense. Who would have
0: thought that in January 2024, Russia would be evacuating children from Belgorod, and Putin's daughter would give a major interview to an unknown audience and say, For us Russians, the highest value is the value of human
1: life. Gosh, you look at the wives and mothers of the Russian-mobilized men, who proudly sent their men to fight for their country, And now they're out there in their white headscarves asking for demobilization. You look at the freezing Moscow region. You listen to Solovayev's monotonous drone about how life is greatly overrated, we'll end up in paradise, and you think, well, 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 Putin's daughter. That's right. You and your dad and his friends really value human life. Who knows what's next?
0: Yeah, Putin's daughters have been appearing in public more often. And it seems like just like Kim Jong-un... Putin has decided to prepare his heirs for the throne.
1: Have you heard about the situation in Taiwan, Ducks?
0: Yeah, I was reading about that yesterday. The new year has started, and I'm already bracing myself for some really bad news. More of the same bad news, and probably even
1: worse. I'm not a little kid, but go on, what's happening there?
0: Sorry, my young friend. So the BBC article starts like this. If China decides to use force, the world faces the most devastating crisis of the 21st century, the consequences of which risk overshadowing the damage from the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the COVID pandemic, and the global financial crisis of 2008.
1: Wow, that sounds serious. Do you think China will go through with it?
0: Well, I thought to myself, if China decides to do it, then I'll tell the readers more about it. And if it doesn't, I won't. But as terrible as it may sound, when if not now... Everyone's gone mad, so why wouldn't they attack Taiwan? Perfect timing.
1: Sounds like perfect timing indeed. But let's hope for the best and that everything will turn out okay.
0: Switching to international politics, let's discuss the situation with Navalny. Have you heard the latest news?
1: Yeah, I heard about that. Navalny got sentenced to 19 years in prison and was transferred from a strict regime colony to a special regime one. There was no information about him for three weeks during the transfer, and then he suddenly appeared beyond the Arctic Circle in the Polar Wolf Colony in the village of Karpi in Yamal. It's like something out of that TV series about escaping from prison. But this is real life.
0: Wow, what a twist. And what did he say in court?
1: He said, Well, 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 a tear. A tear is running down my cheek. I'm so happy to see all of you. My dear Kovrov court, my dear defendants, dear defenders, and dear secretary, I'm very happy to see you. The conditions here, few, 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 A little thorn in your side, dear defendants. It's better here than an IK-6 in Vladimir. It's like that joke when a person ends up in hell but finds some positive aspects about it.
0: Ha, 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 yeah, that's him, that's Navalny. And suddenly it feels so calm because not everything is changing. Not everything is falling apart and breaking. Not everything is becoming unpredictable and ambiguous, dark and hopeless. Something, or rather someone, is staying true to themselves, their principles, and their sense of humor no matter what. It's inspiring and gives the strength to laugh in the face of darkness and to keep going through it. Because if you are going through hell, keep going.
1: You always say that we should keep moving forward despite all the difficulties, and I agree with you. Navalny is a good example of how one can maintain their principles and sense of humor even in a very tough situation. It's like in that movie where the main character, despite all obstacles, keeps pushing forward and fighting for their ideals.
0: You know, talking about Navalny and his ability to find the positive in the most difficult situations, it reminds me of the story of my daughter and her funny questions and remarks. She always tries to learn new things and stays positive despite all the difficulties. Listen to this.
1: Oh, that sounds interesting. Tell me more.
0: My daughter always asks me questions that make me think. For example, she asks... Mum, imagine you're going fishing and catching fish. Or she says, Mum, space is more explored than the oceans. Sometimes she talks about technical things like, Mum, helicopters can hover over landing pads, but planes can't. And sometimes she asks questions about animals. Mum, are there any animal species or living beings on Earth that haven't been discovered or named yet?
1: Wow, she sounds like a real little scientist. What do you tell her in response?
0: I try to answer all her questions, but sometimes they get too tricky. For example, she talks about her friend, Javon. Mom, Javon now has an excuse to attack anyone, but no one can attack him. He just starts screaming, I have a broken leg. I have a broken leg. And she adds, Mom, I think Javon is still mischievous. He hasn't changed after the holidays.
1: Aha, she sounds like a real little judge. How do you handle that?
0: I reckon things are actually not too bad overall. Could have been a lot worse. We don't have time to teach her to write in Russian, but she's a great reader. Right now, she's plowing through Robinson Crusoe and a couple of library encyclopedias. And I'm still plowing through Lynch's The Prophet song next to her. I have a feeling I won't finish it.
1: You sound like a real hero. I'm sure you'll handle it.
0: Thanks. Your words of support mean a lot to me. Speaking of support, I'd like to express my gratitude to everyone who supports my project, Expresso. If you'd like to join, you can do so monthly through Patreon or Boosty, or make a one-time contribution via PayPal or Revolut. A special thank you to those who stuck with me in 2024. You know, I almost missed the CES 2024 technology exhibition. I usually love it, but this time it just didn't work out.
1: No worries. I'm always ready to share interesting news. I checked out what they were showing and found two articles on Wired that you might find interesting.
0: Oh, that sounds intriguing. What's so interesting about it then?
1: Well, first of all, there's an article called The 10 Coolest Things We've Seen So Far at CES 2024. It talks about the top 10 coolest things showcased at the exhibition. For example, there's a new robot chef that can cook dishes according to your recipes.
0: Wow, that sounds impressive. What else have you got?
1: Secondly, there's another article titled, Nine More of the Bizarre and Wonderful Things We've Seen at CES 2024. It talks about nine more strange and wonderful things showcased at the exhibition. For example, there are virtual glasses that allow you to experience smells in virtual reality.
0: That's incredible. I'll definitely have to check it out. I also heard that a new series is coming out on Netflix in March. Have you heard about it?
1: Yeah, I've heard about that. But let's discuss CES 2024 first, and then we can move on to Netflix. By the way, do you know what's the funniest thing about those virtual glasses? They let you experience smells, but they don't let you turn them off. Can you imagine how weird that could be?
0: Shaq Joe. Switching from virtual reality to Netflix, I want to share with you, my young genius, some interesting news. In March, a series called Three Body Problem will be released based on the novel by Liu Cixin, The Three Body Problem. It's a science fiction novel that has received numerous awards and enthusiastic reviews.
1: Oh, that sounds interesting. Is that the book you recommended to me? The one about aliens trying to take over the Earth, right?
0: Yeah, that's the one. I really enjoyed that book, and I think the series will be just as gripping, After all, it's being created by the producers of Game of Thrones, so we can expect plenty of unexpected twists and epic scenes.
1: Well, March is still a long way off, but I'm already looking forward to it. I reckon the series will be epic, considering it's based on such a captivating novel.
0: You're right, my little enthusiast. But remember, not everything that glitters is gold. I'm not sure if I'll watch the series, but I hope it'll be worth it.
1: Hmm. You always say we should try new things. Let's watch it together.
0: (laughs) Haha, you always know how to convince me. All right, it's a deal, but only if you promise not to spoil any plot twists for me. You know, kiddo, I don't really get all this TikTok stuff, but sometimes there are some pretty interesting trends that pop up. One of the latest ones I saw is called sludge videos. Do you know what that's all about?
1: No, I haven't heard of that. Is it about videos of mud or something? That sounds awful.
0: Well, in a way. Sludge in English translates to dirty snow mess, mush, slush. But in this case, it's a video made up of lots of other videos.
1: Wow, that sounds a bit strange. And what's so interesting about them? Is it like watching a mishmash of different soups?
0: Well, it's kind of an ironic internet response to the growing need for stimuli that completely capture our attention. Watching these videos is like media multitasking at its peak, because you don't know where to look and you try to watch everything at once.
1: And do you like it? I feel like I just get all tangled up.
0: To be honest, after about 30 seconds, I started feeling anxious and a bit queasy. Some people say they enjoy it and they can't stop watching that kind of content. But I guess I'm just too sensitive for it.
1: Well, I reckon I wouldn't fancy staring at muck either. It's like trying to figure out what's going on in a room where all the toys are being played with at the same time.
0: Ma All right, we've already talked about what sludge videos are. Now let's move on to a more peculiar topic. Have you ever heard about fertility fraud, my little Sherlock?
1: What? No, of course not. Is that even possible?
0: Oh, Yes. Yesterday I came across a story about this Indian scam scheme. They were offering men a job to fertilize women. Sounds dodgy, doesn't it? Like they're offering a job to a superhero.
1: What? How does that even work, mate?
0: Well, apparently there are single women who want to get pregnant, and they need men willing to do it for a hefty sum of money. But first you have to sort out some documents, certificates, and powers of attorney, of course, for a fee. Then they promise to send you the hotel address and room number where a woman wanting to get pregnant will be waiting for you. And of course, they'll transfer a tidy sum to your account. Sounds like the plot for a new action movie, doesn't it?
1: And does it work? Do people actually fall for that?
0: Yeah, the scheme worked. And I was thinking, the poor victims of the scammers probably didn't realize that it's not so simple to successfully impregnate a woman. It's like buying a ticket to the moon without knowing there's no oxygen there. You know what I mean?
1: It's just ridiculous, but I feel sorry for those people.
0: Haha, <laughs> yeah, oh well. But let's move on to a more pleasant topic. No sandwiches this Friday. Only bruschettas, oat cakes. And of course, no funny business.
1: Oh, that sounds delicious, but I still can't get that story out of my head.